Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Hi, everyone, and hi, Cecilia. Hi, Pastor Dave. How are you today? I am bright and cheerful. It's still a bit uh, uh, chilly out Eva, as we record this uh, podcast, but... It's hey. warming up. It's it warming up, and it's getting there. And it's yeah, warming our hearts. Yeah, although there's some people who might be hearing this that got the blizzard of yesterday that I heard was in part of the country as well. Mm, yeah. And that's what's interesting. No matter where you are in this country, you can find a beautiful part of the weather. But here we are in 4216, and it's always good because we are with God. That is so true. And this is our 86th sit-down lesson. It's amazing that God has blessed us for over a year and a half of, mm. of uh, this Bible study. Mm-hmm. And um, it is great uh, to continue to study God's Word. It is. I always wonder, what adventures are we going to get into this time? Mm. And you've already kind of put me in a corner about this time. <laughs> Yeah, last oh, yes. time we uh, kind of did a an oral transmission of understanding the story of Abram becoming Abraham, the blessings, but we did skim over a few things. Just a few. Yeah, yeah. I liked what we did last time. Yeah, but now you want to ask me some questions, huh? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. The first question I have, you mentioned uh, in the last episode mm-hmm. something about a handmaid of Sarah's that was given to Abram. Yep. Well, for the record, that's Hagar. And it's in Genesis 16. Mm-hmm. Now then, she had a son whom, uh, who was named Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to Ishmael? Hmm. We know a couple things about Ishmael. Uh, actually, it talks more about him later in Genesis chapter 25. It gives the listing of his kids. He had quite a few. Mm. In Genesis uh, 16, when God told uh, Hagar that she was going to have a child, uh, God, and it was God who spoke to her. She recognized it um, as God. Uh, it says the angel of the Lord, we know that's God, um, said he will be a donkey of a man, meaning a kind of a wild kind of man, and Ishmael throughout his life kind of was that. His sons and the descendants became basically what we know today as the Arabs, which means all the Arab countries of um, Egypt, Jordan, Iran, Iraq, all of them Mm. that are always fighting and contending with Israel. Mm. And so those two descendants, Isaac and Ishmael, contend even to this day. coming to a segment that makes some men uncomfortable, at least. I'm going to read, starting at verse 10 of chapter 17. Mm -hmm. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, 
the covenant you are to keep, every male among you must be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, what is circumcision, first of all? Okay. Um, I'm not that uncomfortable speaking about it. I, it needs to be spoken of because it's all over the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is not anything sexual or advanced, but it does deal with the male's penis. At the end of the male's penis, if it is uncircumcised, there's a, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm going to just use some simple language. There's some extra meaty flesh, you would say, extra skin. That's what they call the foreskin sometimes, right? And Yes, and that is cut and peeled back or cut off, or sometimes it's cut and laid back, uh, and that removes that extra uh, slab of, of, of skin uh, from the very tip. Um, there's several reasons this is done. One, the the spiritual one, is to show that there is a cutting, a cutting away. And the cutting away is of flesh, meaning it is supposed to hurt because of our sinful nature. It has to be cut out, and it hurts. The old nature is cut away. And so, yeah, it does hurt. Secondly, and this is a a more modern explanation, and yes, males, many males, most males as I'm aware of, unless asked otherwise, are still circumcised uh, while in the hospital. And um, it's a a sanitary thing. Because of that extra amount of skin at the end of the penis, um, of course, through the penis goes a tube which urine goes through or semen during sexual relations. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's urine, sometimes that'll just hang out at the end uh, and not get all the way um, completely out of the penis. And that would mean then that urine just sits there. And that could cause infection. Correct. or, Or uh, yeah, and so that's the reason why now today it is done is more of a sanitary one. Hmm. But this is also then now linking it to the New Testament why it is the foreshadowing or the precursor or the that which goes before baptism. Um, hmm. Baptism was the washing away of sin, just as circumcision is the cutting away of sin. They both mean an action has to happen so that something less is of us because of our sinful nature. And a sign. It mm-hmm. says this is the sign of the covenant. Yes. Oh, good point. Thank you. Um, it's not that this actual procedure of circumcision cuts away the sin because that's in our hearts. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you might say, globbed onto the soul, something you can't see. So when this is done to the penis, that's a sign saying, God is now cutting at your soul to take away the sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, baptism, the washing outside, um, Luther likes to say it's not the water that washes away, but the water connected with the word that does this great thing. It's God who does these things whether it be the circumcision of the heart mm-hmm. or the washing of the heart to purify us from our sins. So one of the notes we read said, it's not 
the circumcision itself, not then, not now, that is the covenant, but it is the word connected with that circumcision. Correct. It is always, it, and because it's not, again, that outward action. Otherwise, it would be hocus pocus, we can do this, and three jumping jacks, and two sit-ups, and, and whatever. No. It's not us. It has to be God who is doing this because it's a spiritual thing. And we do the sign on the outward to know that God's doing something on the inward. Both are important, but God is the one who's doing the work. story. Last week, you talked about Abraham having three visitors. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is in chapter 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, where's Sarah? Oh, she's in the tent. And they tell him that he's going to have a son, and Sarah laughs. <laughs> right. But there's more to this chapter, chapter 18. Yeah, there is. Uh, also, Back last week, you referred to Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. and you said that they were full of sin. Mm-hmm. Now, these three visitors are coming, and they tell Abraham, mm-hmm. um, by the way, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, mm-hmm. the, the those two cities down there, mm-hmm. they're going to get destroyed. <gasps> oh, no. Abraham says, but, but my nephew's there. Yeah, well, going to get destroyed. So, well... Lord, uh, I don't want to tell you what to do, but but what, what if there are 50 righteous people? Mm-hmm. Will you destroy the, the, the cities for 50 righteous people? Well, no. No. For 50, I won't. Okay. Says, yeah. um, Lord, what about 45? I mean, uh, you're a good God. For, f- for five people, you'd destroy the city? No, for 45, I won't. Oh, thank you. Uh, I know I'm being pretty bold to ask a lot, but... but what about 40 people? Mm, no, I won't for 40. How, how about 30? No, I won't for 30. 20? Nope, won't for 20. You won't destroy the city if there are 20 righteous people. Okay, I'm, I'm being pretty bold here and I know this, but what about 10? 10 righteous people. <sighs> 10. No, because you've asked, I won't do it for t- if there's ten righteous people. Uh, 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 l- 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 Lord, uh, um, what if there are only five righteous people? Five? F- five. No, I won't destroy it if there's five righteous people. Oh, thank you. A couple of things here. First of all, there are th- Three visitors. Mm-hmm. One, uh, well, wait, who are these three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one is God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know this from Abraham's reaction. He uh, bows down to them. He serves them a meal. This is the heat of the day. Abraham is the master and lord of, of everything. 
And you might remember about the the prodigal son and story where the the father keeps looking and when he sees his son, he runs out. Well, nobody runs in the heat of the day, especially the patriarch. Yeah. Well, Abraham did that. And that's why Jesus used this story, because just like Abraham who ran out, he realized this is something big. Abraham realized this was God. We don't know any more than that. It was the angel of the Lord, probably Jesus uh, in person. Like Jesus as in the Jesus? Uh Uh-huh. Before he was incarnated uh, in the angelic form. And who were the other two? Angels. And those are the two that went on then to the city. Okay. Then speaking of the city, Mm -hmm. what was all this about? 50, 40, 30, 20, is Abraham, does he really think he can bargain with God? He is showing great respect to God, and he wants to see where God kind of is. 50, and that's a pretty large city, probably, I don't know. Back then, at least. For then, it was a large city. Maybe it was only 5,000 people, but... Let's just say 5,000. So 50 righteous out of 5,000. That's not, what, 1%? About that, yes. And he wanted to see, would God do that? And God said, sure. And so he started from there. If you would have just said, how about five? God, that's extreme. So he wanted to just keep going to see, keep going to see. He was trusting and kept asking. And that's the cool thing. God doesn't hesitate to say no to us. No. And Abraham realized that, and so was willing to keep on asking, asking, until he was content. And by the way, that number five, he was pretty sure Lot's family would be there. That's four. Yeah. He needed just one more. And... So he figured five was an okay number to go with. God will save the city. Mm. (laughs) But he couldn't. He didn't. Because well, there weren't. Because what he was counting on was that Lot's daughters had uh, people that were pledged to be married to them. He was hoping maybe the son-in-laws or maybe mm-hmm. somebody else. He was hoping Lot had been uh, speaking to people, that he was living a righteous life. It was his nephew. They were raised together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he knew the man. He understood that he was, a, I think, a man of God. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously because he came out, God saw him as a righteous man. So he figured a righteous man in that city would be speaking and speaking and sharing. Among that family, they should have gotten one convert. The story picks up with Genesis chapter 19. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they said, we will spend the night in the square. 
but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we might have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them what you like. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, This fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, Hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When Lot hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plains. Flee to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt.
lot to talk about here. Um, why, first of all, did Lot insist that these men not stay in the square? I mean, these are angels. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could take care of themselves. Yeah, very well, as they destroyed the city just a little bit later. Um, Lot knew the city. He'd lived there for a long time. And in fact, he was one of the, obviously one of the, um, what would you call it, um, um, noted men of the city, uh, an elder, because he was at the gate. And when he saw them coming, he realized who they were. He didn't want these men to be treated that way. And he he knew if they stayed out, they would be mistreated. But they are angels. Did Lot know they were angels? Yes. Or? Yes, he did. And how, we're not sure, but it was very clear he did know it, both by how he responded to them bowing down as well as that he didn't want them to stay in the square. Again, I say, these men were angels. Lot knew they were angels. <laughs> uh, they're stronger than Lot. Lot has a skewed understanding of true reality at this point. You can say that again. Yeah, and we're going to find it even more. And that's what happens when you live next to sin. It rubs off on you. So much so that he was being affected. It really was his desire to do anything possible to protect these men. And he was going to do everything in his strength because he had to do it. Because he was in control. He was in charge. And he would protect them. And as funny as you make it sound, mm, that's exactly what Lot was about. And isn't that so often like us and our sinful nature? I can take care of myself. I can do it. And I'll get myself out of this jam. And I'll figure out how. And I'll... Yeah. And it's the old sinful nature rearing its head and, and not, letting, not trusting God with all your strength, but leaning on your own understanding and your own strength, which isn't very much when it really comes down to it. This next part makes me angry. Furious, in fact. Uh, Verse 8, when Lot is talking to the men, and he says, Don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Uh, Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them what you like. (sighs) He'll just throw his daughters to these horrible, horrible men. And he doesn't care about them. How can... Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to ask the question. How yeah. can you do this? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, he has a skewed sense of reality now on what is right and what is wrong. He's choosing between two wickeds and thinking one wicked's better than another, when really all wicked is wicked. Um, he was seeing the sense that... Uh, 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 the abuse of his daughters would be acceptable because he was protecting the angels. Again, he was trying to do it from his own strength. And in doing that, he was uh, yielding his daughters uh, to, to such terrible, 
well, it's a breaking of the fourth commandment, big time, and fifth commandment, because they probably would be killed. Yeah, he was not taking care of his daughters at all. Wait one minute here. The fourth commandment says, honor your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. You said that Lot would have been breaking the fourth commandment, but... It's his daughters. The fourth yeah. commandment, that's not just a one-way thing. That is just the kids have to uh, bow down and pay homage to the parents. The parents need to take care of their kill- children as well and give them good reason to honor them. That's, that's a both way, a both really? and. finally get tired of Lot trying to be the big guy and they take a hand in verse 11 then they struck the men who were at the door of the house young and old with blindness so that they could not find the door Mm-hmm. God does this. He'll let us muddle and struggle and think we can do it but finally even as patient as he is, he will step in. Have you ever seen like an 11-month-old trying to climb steps and they just slide down, bunk, 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 or, or something <laughs> yes. like that? And finally, dad laughing or mom will help them up and do it. That's how God is kind of with us. And that's what the angels did here. They find like, this, is get, this prison is going to get out of hand. So and they things just, are getting dangerous here. That's right. So they stepped in and they did something. Boom. And um, um, blindness. Now, we were talking off air about this. Why blindness? And isn't that going to offend people? It shouldn't. Um, when you first, yeah. go, when a person first goes blind, it, it, there is a disorientation. This isn't like a, somebody who's been blind for ten years and who's had uh, all the training and, and rehab that is necessary that you can walk down a road with a cane or a dog. Now we're talking first, second of blindness. And so, not being able to find, where is it? What is it? Black? Oh, I can't see. They're scared. They don't know what's going on. So, even though they're right there at the door, mm-hmm. um, they, there's lots of people around them. They're hearing people shouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Total disorientation for them. Mm. That's really what it was. So, disorientation. So, it wasn't, it's not that God thinks that blind people are stupid. Correct. It's not that at all. Okay. Then, not at all. Then as a minor side question, mm-hmm. I cannot help but ask this. Hmm. Do you think the blindness was temporary or was it permanent? <laughs> I've never heard that question asked before. I only thought of it myself. Oh. Um, does it matter? They're going to be dead in 12 hours. I know, but, I, but of course, I being the clinical one, I kind of have to wonder. I really kind of wonder if it was a permanent thing. Mm. Really do. But mm-hmm. in the end, we don't know. No, we don't. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Mm-hmm. Pastor Dave? High blood I- pressure. What? High blood pressure. She had high blood pressure? Yeah. Yeah. So she turned into salt. That's what salt does. It makes high blood pressure. Uh, don't I know it. My doctor's always <laughs> talking to me about that. She was so high strung because of having to leave her house and, and everything behind that it was just too much and it made her blow asunder because of blood pressure. That's one answer. No, that's that's one one answer. answer. Yeah, I suppose. You know, there are times that 
I read the Bible, and I believe the Bible is true. If it mm-hmm. said that Lot's wife became a pillar of salt, mm-hmm. uh, well, there are times we know that, you know, in, in the way to interpret Scripture and such. Uh, but but if she became a pillar of salt, she did. But there are times when I think to myself, I can understand why some people say the Bible is a myth because of things like this. Mm, mm, I see. So she did become a pillar of salt, didn't she? Yeah, she did. What's a, uh, that's the thing about this plain of Jordan um, is it's it became because of all that came down from heaven. It destroyed the city. It destroyed that part of the plain. It's no longer fruitful. It's no longer a nice place. Mm-hmm. Lot liked living there. That's why he chose it. It was lush. It was better than Canaan even yeah, at the time. Yeah, it was great. But now after this destruction nothing and and uh she became part of the landscape you might say because it was just all salt and destruction and and um no good do we no think that good. do we think that maybe the the sulfur and such rained down on her and and or do we think that god literally did transform her into a pillar of salt um, I would say God transformed her into the pillar because it says she turned back and looked and became. Mm. Yeah. And th- that's the whole point, by the way. Uh, let's not get ca- so caught up in the salt and the blood pressure or why, but she looked back. That's the thing. She looked back on that life of sin. She looked back on that city where she had lived and said, I want to be there. But that was a sinful place. That's why God was destroying it. Or perhaps she looked back to gloat. Ha ha, I escaped. Uh, Mm. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. Which is another question mark that people ask. Uh, You know, was sin so bad? Is God going to destroy other cities? Well, sure he can. He sometimes does it by natural disasters. But he doesn't always do so in specific ways as we see here. This certainly is a warning to us. A warning, and 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 you didn't ask the question now, but you did a week ago as we were looking at this. What in the heck is this story of Lot doing in the middle of Abraham's oh, story? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. what that, is it doing? <laughs> we see that that Abraham, a man of faith, though he stumbled and struggled, is there. We see the story of Lot. He is righteous. He was saved and delivered out of the destruction. And yet, he chose a city full of sin. And look what it did to him. So much that it confused the right from wrong, that he was going to give his daughters away when he couldn't even he save himself. He did give his daughters away. He pledged them to be married to some people of Sodom. Who he were... was going to give them away to the, 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 the mooring crowd. Well, yeah, that too. And so... We'll find later in the story that Lot messed up a bunch more, and then his two daughters messed up also. That when you mingle with sin on a high level, you get dragged down into the mud with it. Correct. The Bible.
Bible throughout does speak about this being dragged down into the mud, and if you hang with the wrong type, it's going to affect you. Ask you to pull down a section, Cecilia, if you would read it, Ephesians chapter 5, the first four verses. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or greed or of any kind of impurity, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Wow, uh, this still seems like law. Like, well, like in verse 2 it said, be like Christ, who gave himself up for us as a, as a fragrant offering. There's no way I can be like Christ. There is a lot of law here. That's part of what we're dealing with in Genesis, though, with Abraham and Lot. Is um, if, if you stay with sin, it's going to get you in trouble. And that's law, plain and simple. Now, Abraham, he did some sin. He did some mucking around. But he also turned to the Lord in faith. And the Lord brought him out and gave him many blessings. This Ephesians verse is trying to say the same thing. If we always keep our eyes on Jesus and being like him, even when we stumble and fall, he's there to pick us up. Always. We know we will. But the thing is, is what are we going to imitate? That's that verse 1. Be imitators of... God. Yeah. Was Lot being an imitator of God by staying in Sodom around with all that sin where there are no righteous people? Uh, no. Yeah. And so the same call goes to you and I. You know, as human beings, we like to think we're strong and sturdy and we can say no, but we really can't. No, we can't. And it's the people around us that we imitate, and that's why this verse. In fact... You ever look at a little child? Daddy, I'm going to be like you. Oh, mommy, you're so special. I'm going to be a mommy just like you. Little kids love to be like mom and dad, at least when they're in their two, three, and four-year-old <laughs> ages. Yes. But they come back to it later on, too. And many of them are like mom and dad when they're in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so we as people of God need to be with the people of God. And God is the one who came down in our muck and pulled us out and helping us to be like him. Thanks for coming along today in Room 4216 in our study and adventures uh, of Abraham and, and uh, down and another lot road. And, and mm. the angels. There's more to come, people. Yeah. Join us next week when we'll uh, continue in Genesis. Don't we- forget to write to us. At uh, info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E, dot, N-E-T. And remember, we are are not alone. alone. Do come back again to room 4216.
credits. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.